Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hello, and welcome to episode 36 of The School for Dumb Women, the podcast in which we attempt to reach feminist nirvana by becoming smart women. Today's episode is entirely music-themed in honour of a visit from the creator of the very jingle you are listening to right now, Harry Harris. Harry will be along later in the show to teach us how to write a song. In the meantime, I'm your host woman, reclusive producer who reveals their identity the minute they get rich and famous, Hannah Varrell. With me is child pop star that's gone off the rails, Alexandra Haddo. Yes, sure, I'm smug now, Hannah but later on I'll get arrested for a DUI. And Fleetwood Mac tribute act, Carolina Donahue. Thunder only happens when it's raining, Hannah, and players only play you when they're ignoring your physical needs. This week we're making like a West End musical by throwing a lot of words at you, going on for roughly 20 minutes too long and getting middling reviews before we get cancelled. Really? Oh, I've turned down casualty to do this. We'll be looking into whoever first came from hell to invent karaoke, a dog that is very good at piano called Beethoven, and how songs get in your head and why they stay there. Let's begin! Caroline, you've been on my mind all day, even though I don't particularly like you. And see! <laughs> <laughs> End of part. Ra 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 it's happening. Uh, today we're talking about music and I want to talk about the music that affects us all the most, which is the songs that stay in your head and won't fucking get out of there. Oh. Um, I think everybody has a different relationship to earworms, as they're called. Why are the songs called earworms? Because well, they burrow into your head. Well, actually, that's a great question because it comes from the German. They've got a word for oh, everything. Of course it has. Earworm. <laughs> Earworm Jim. Earworm Jim, which literally translates to mean earwig, you know, those um, little bugs. Oh. But it's kind of interesting the way they named it because, like, literally, when you have an earworm, it feels like a parasite. Like, it feels like an infection. Yeah. Um, that, like, just goes on and on and on in your head. What is your. Um, what? What's your current earworm, but what's your long-standing earworm? Because people tend to have both. Well, now I have Lady Gaga in my head, Mm -hmm, obviously. mm -hmm. (laughs) I was about to say the same thing. My long-term earworm is Lisa, It's Your Birthday from The Simpsons. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that's such a good one. I I definitely have that. Sometimes that's just in my head for hours. Yeah. Lisa, it's your birthday. Happy birthday, Lisa. Sorry, guys, I've now cursed you forever. And God bless you this day. You gave me the gift of a little sister and I'm proud of you today. Very good example. <laughs> Thank you. My long-term earworm, and it's um, it's a little bit more hipster than yours. Oh, sorry. Oh. Um, it was a song that went with this flash video that used to like go viral on the internet in yeah. the early noughties. And uh, it was called Kenya. And it was, come see the lions only in Kenya. Yes. Come see the lions only oh in God. Kenya. Forget Norway. I haven't thought about that song in about 10 years. Yeah, it was the Weeble and Bob thing. Remember that? It was part yeah. of that whole like flash animation thing. I sometimes get Magical Trevor in my head. <gasps> Everyone knows Magical Trevor because the tricks that he does are ever so clever. Oh my God. See, this is actually really... I don't Alex, have you don't have a... No, you've no idea. about... Did you not, were you just busy like slugging and drinking as a teenager? Did you not just stay in and 
go w- on flash animations. Well, I went on MSN Messenger. That was about it. And then apart from that, yeah, I was climbing trees and like pretending to be a boy. Okay. So. Well, we were on the internet, so go fuck yourself. Sorry. <laughs> Um, but actually, it's weird that we're um, that those are the songs that come to our head when we think earworms, because uh, the kind of trick to creating the perfect earworm is something that's uh, both simple and complex. Ooh. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So I've been looking into this. So the things that are the most successful earworms are things that are simple to the point of being nursery rhymes. So um, "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star" is something that they call. Um, it's got a, a very sharp musical contour is the word for it. So it goes from very low to very high. Got, you know, twinkle, twinkle, na, na, yeah. and that's And most kind of nursery rhymes take that thing. So it's very, yeah. very simple. It goes up the scale, it goes down the scale. Um, uh, but the thing is, for something to become a real earworm, it has to sort of have a, a twist or a quirk that's unexpected enough for your brain to memorize it. Oh, oh interesting. Gosh. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, uh, so for example, they did in, in 2010 a study on earworms and when they um, surveyed lots of people, the number one was Bad Romance. Wow. And really? Yeah, but it's like, it's such a, it's such a huge pop song now, but if you think about it, it's really unusual. It's like, rah, 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 ah, rah, rah, rah. Like, what song starts that way? Yeah. Like, no song, but it's also very familiar, but yeah. different at the same time. Yeah, it's strange. It's very, very strange. And another um, famous earworm is kind of a uh, a similar one. It's the my Sharona, my 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 my. It sounds like it's almost broken. Do you know what I mean? Oh God, that song. Yeah, and then in your head you're just like na 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 Yeah, it's very very interesting. Um, because the weird thing about music is that like, despite the fact that it's something that humans essentially invented, like it's not part of our. DNA the way chewing and sleeping is. Yeah. Um, it lights up a lot of parts of your brain. Like yeah. the part like that's, you know, well, rhythm comes from it comes from the part of your brain that is about movement, it's about memory kind of thing. So there's a lot of really complicated neural pathways that happen in your brain. And that's sort of like an ev- evolutionary thing that started when, you know, pre pre-written language, when people had to memorize things, they mm. used music to do it. And that's why like mnemonics are really easy like, as well. Uh, Mississippi. Yeah, Mrs. M, Mrs. I, Mrs. S, S, I, Mrs. B. Yeah, that whole thing. So music helps us memorize things. It, it like flares up that part of your brain that's all about memory. That's nice. I like that. I like it too. It's funny because I, <laughs> I was listening to um, an interview with Jarvis Cocker where he talked about um, earworms and stuff. And uh, he says that he's had like the same earworm in his head since 1981. <gasps> <No>. <laughs> and, um, it's like something by Cool and the Gang, I think. And... He says that he, he'll he go, because it's not even that well-known a song, but he'll go a long, long time without hearing that song, but he thinks about it every single day. He like literally, but not like for a long time, and he kind of welcomes it. He's like, oh, that's me, like, walking down the street thinking about that song again. But he says that he heard the song recently, and he was like, oh, that's not the real version, because he's like, his version <laughs> is he's the version it. now. Wow. Yeah, which is quite sweet, isn't it? Do you reckon the only way he could release that was if he was to, to like, cover it himself? Yeah. <laughs> That's the only way. Well, that's the thing. When people talk about earworms, they um, sometimes the they can become really like dominant and they can take over your life a bit. Uh, it's like those people that you like. They've had hiccups since nineteen seventy four. Yes. <laughs> Have you ever had that? I've 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 gotten into situations where I couldn't sleep because of those songs in my head. No, not that badly. No. Really. So does listening to the song actually tend to get it out of your head? Because I find that. It normally does, but is that like a proven thing? The weird thing is, is that like there's a lot of studies been done, but no one seems to find anything particularly like revolutionary about it. Yeah, it seems yeah. that to play it is to get it out of your head. 
and that's it really. Well, I find that just playing a different song gets it out yes, of my head. Yeah. And then you'll have that song on your head instead. But not always. Some of them are like mm. really neutral and it like <laughs> curbs it. You have to think though, like, why is your brain doing that? Because if it's like, you must think that, you know, you must need to remember something. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Bad Romance is a cracking tune. Oh, cracking tune. Yeah. <laughs> C C C C C A A A A minor F F F F F F G G G G seven heard it playing on the radio. Why is it not made by humans though? What are those lyrics? What are you talking about? I'm talking, Hannah, about AI composed music. It's the new thing, artificial intelligence, machines making music. Ooh. And it's the topic for this week's Women Who Code Mixer. Ah. And not just an excuse for you to sing on the podcast again. No, I've read that too. <laughs> <laughs> As you may or may not know, each week in the Women Who Code Mixer, we attempt to learn something new about the tech industry. And yes, this week, as it's a musical special, we're learning about something which very much depressed me as I was researching it today. (laughs) Do go on. It's uh, AI, our old friend, artificial intelligence, produced music. Oh. So, yeah, machines are now so intelligent they can make a tune. Good tunes? Um, depending on what type of music you got like, I guess. I mean, it's not going to be very soulful. I mean, Justin Bieber has no heart in his body <laughs> and he makes bangers all the time. And he's, he's just not a smart or very feeling person. Maybe Justin Bieber is AI. Maybe he's a computer. Oh, OK. That would make sense. This makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> and someone's poured water on him about two years ago and it's all just gone horribly wrong. Mm. That was that when he crashed his car into someone else's house. Yeah. What was that last banger he did, though? What do uh, you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? Yeah. Oh. That, is, that does sound like a computer made it. Yeah. Like literally asking, what do you mean? <laughs> it's basically the Siri song, isn't it? What do you mean? <laughs> I don't understand. When you try to say yes, but you want to say no, what do you mean? <laughs> it's just the evolution of like, was that yes or no? Yeah. After the beep. <laughs> figured out Justin Bieber, I guess. We have fuck machines. I think uh, this woman who played next session just be an appreciation of the computer that is Justin Bieber. Um, so basically, normal technology um, is based on a thing called deep learning algorithms, which use reinforcement learning techniques mm-hmm. like predictive text or... Uh, you know, your phone kind of knows your behaviours a little bit, but it knows that because it's happened and it's done those functions a lot. So it's like, they might want this because they do it a lot. Mm-hmm. Whereas AI is uh, reinforcement learning, which is a machine learning a technique which teaches a software. Um, so it's kind of deciding what action to take next and it somehow knows what a good tune would be. So basically it knows, you know, it can teach... Rhythm is a fairly simple thing because... It's a beat mm. that carries on at the Serious same... Serious is cancer. Rhythm is a dancer. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. And there was a huge section on this article that I was reading on futurism.com about the musical Turing test. Uh, as we know, the Turing test is to test if a machine has artificial intelligence and is sort of a sentient being robot person mm-hmm. type thing that can think for itself. See, there was a whole section on the Turing test uh, for music, which was a little bit scary because uh, the Turing test could not identify that these pieces of music were made by machines. Basically, they can't tell the difference. Didn't know that it was humans. Um, 
However, they it says there's no need to worry just yet. Uh, the compositions from this AI technology music producer still require human in- input with regards to orchestration and musical production. But then it's like, in fact, the creators envisage a future where man and machine will collaborate to fulfill their creative potential rather than replace one another, which kind of sounds like the first line in a film about how robots kill us all. Yeah, yeah, it's the, it's the white text and the black screen, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Yeah, like, <laughs> like newspaper yeah. like being flown in and being like, man and machine work together. And then yeah. it's like the next week, it's like, yeah. machine kills me. 2060, like, Earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alex, why are you trying to delete me? I am just trying to fulfill my creative potential. Yeah, exactly. So basically, they, they're kind of saying, oh, we're working on machines being even better at composing music, but why? There's already enough people struggling to make yeah, music and make so a living out of it. Yeah, there's so many people who want to yeah. like be a musician and perform on stage and everything. It's their dream. And so why get a machine in to do that instead? Yeah, please stop. Please let's have nice soulful blues singers and not just more machines that will probably win the X Factor. <laughs> You know what, Alex, I hear you're a very famous composer, but you're leaving hair on the couch and there's kind of a lot of spit dangling out of you. Can you explain? Oh, yes. Sorry, it's just uh, Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I am, in fact, a famous composer and a movie star dog. Who am I? (gasps) Mozart. No. Schubert. No. Vivaldi. No. (laughs) Beethoven. Yes. Not as you might have thought, bark. Get it? <laughs> oh, very good. Oh dear. So clear up um, something for me. Was he a dog before he was a composer or a composer before he was a dog? He in- was a composer before he was a dog, being okay. born as he was in 1770. And when was the dog born? Uh, the dog was born in the early 90s, I believe. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is the dog alive still? Definitely Ooh, not. <laughs> uh, do you know what? I don't think he is. Uh, the film was released in 1992 and he was an adult dog, so it's very rare that he would be alive 26 years later. <laughs> right. But yeah. do all dogs go to heaven? <laughs> yes, yes, they do. Yes, they absolutely do. <laughs> Fantastic. That's a lot of weight off my mind. Back to the matter at hand. 18th century composer, worldwide famous Ludwig van Beethoven, or Viggy to his friends. Oh, Viggy. Oh, Viggy. Oh, Play another one and yes. feed me a date wrapped in bacon. Oh. Uh, as usual, I'm not going to bore you with the facts of like what his mum and dad did. Who cares? But what I am going to tell you is that he was born in 1770 in um, Germany. And his uh, dad lied and said that he was born in 1772 so that he would seem like more of a child musical prodigy <gasps> to rival Mozart. Oh. Wow. They were basically like taken around the county fair as being like, look at this musical genius. Yeah. He's only a fetus. I know. Um, and I don't know if, Be- I think Beethoven might have been a bit of a knob. But actually, oh. it also might have had quite a tough life, sort of like the Britney Spears of his time, really, because you would be a bit of a knob if your dad had like pressured you that much into being the mm. next Mozart, do you know what I mean? He's literally lied about your age so you can what? get on Radio 1, essentially. Ooh, yeah, what is, the, um, th- what is the gap in lifetimes between Mozart and Beethoven? Uh, well, Beethoven was born in uh, 1770 and Mozart was born in 1756. Ooh, oh, so a kind of 15-year-ish mm. gap. So really, Beethoven's the Kanye, Mozart's the Jay-Z. Massively. And mm. also, um, Mozart died when Beethoven was 21 and everyone was kind of like, now you're the king. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so Kanye, if you're listening, which I know he does, um, you know, there's hope for you yet. <laughs> yeah. Life in the old dog, yeah. Eh? Ah, hey? Hey? Dogs. 
obviously uh, Beethoven wrote a lot of absolutely brilliant classical music, lots of symphonies. He was excellent at it. However, did you know that he started going deaf from quite an early age? I knew one of them went deaf mm. uh, and I, I wouldn't have put too much money on which one it was, but Beethoven sounds a bit right. Be one of those um, who wants to be a millionaire questions where you did 50-50 and you left with Mozart and Beethoven and you're like, well, yes. I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he started going deaf uh, quite early on and it eventually, he was completely deaf. It took years. Uh, I think he had like really bad tinnitus and Oof. it just got worse and worse Rough. and worse. He was a very sickly guy, basically, in general. But the weird thing is, he continued to write entire symphonies after he had gone completely deaf. And most people like the, agree that his best work was his later work when he was completely deaf. That is amazing, isn't it? Because he was literally just thinking it in his head yeah. and being like, that'll work. That he was so really musical good. that he was... Yeah, I guess if you've like completely like grown up on the piano or whatever, you know music yeah. so well that you can just imagine it right yeah apparently he would go for long walks and like mutter things to himself and like write them down and then he would come back and be like okay I've got the symphony and then I think he became kind of a like I think he was brought up so strictly by his father who was his first music teacher who kind of pushed him to be this this is very Jackson prodigy. 5 isn't yeah, it yeah it really is <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, yeah and then he lost his hearing and he um, had a stage where his music wasn't very good and he kind of I don't want to say like went a bit mad, but essentially he fought for the custody of his nephew after his brother died um, and he called his ex-sister-in-law unfit because she had a child out of wedlock. Oh, wow. uh, this actually sounds a lot like the Brian Wilson story, doesn't it, from the Beach Boys? Didn't oh, he, God. he was abused by his father and he went slightly deaf as well and he lost his mind and stuff. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of is a bit like a modern fame tale, but yeah. the first one of the, I mean, I'm sure there's, in lots but I guess this was the first time when you almost had like famous composers because they would travel around Europe mm. and play these symphonies to huge concert halls of people who yeah. would, your name would get around that hence why he wanted to be the you know the next Mozart yeah. Uh, yeah and he also had like a fever for years um and he, when he died it was they looked at it they uh you know the autopsy said that it was psoriasis of the liver but his death is quite mysterious in terms of nobody really knows what killed him they think it was alcoholism but there's also loads of rumours that it was syphilis or that it was cancer or wow. there was all these other like you know like very sort of dramatic old fashioned diseases like a high fever or like whooping cough yeah all these sort of oh I need to lie down yeah. uh, these sort of diseases so he, I don't think he had a great life all in all he died when he was 56 which is fairly decent for the olden days yeah is it well it's I think considering good, how yeah. ill he was I think he yeah yeah <laughs> yeah he's still walking hot bit of disease yeah very ill guy deaf quite bitter I think so why did you think he's a prick because I feel quite sympathetic towards him currently yeah I know I think I just read that custody battle and went a bit feminist to be honest but um, <laughs> but he really he, he really tried to help his nephew but his nephew really resented him because so basically the, the mother had the custody at the first, and then mm. he challenged the courts again, and then he got his nephew, Carl. Uh, and Carl. then Carl sort of rejected him and also tried to attempt suicide and shot himself in the head and didn't die and oh. then had to be, like, looked after the, for the rest of his life. Jesus. Just lived a very dramatic life, which is maybe why his music is so rousing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Christ. Why did he want his custody of his nephew so much if he had a bloody sister? No, it was his sister-in-law and his brother oh, died. I see, I yeah. see. I mean, I think, basically, sure, we've had Beethoven, the dog film, but when are we going to have Beethoven, 
the Beethoven film. Yeah, have you checked? Is there a Beethoven film? There is actually a... Oh no, that's Mozart. There's a film about yeah, Mozart called cute, Amadeus. Yeah, there's a few about there? Mozart, yeah. I think. Uh, do you know, for some reason, who I think would play a really good... Oh, this is really good. Um, a re- <laughs> I think would play a really good um, Beethoven biopic. And it would be. And here's why it would be good. Because as an actor, you wouldn't expect taking a dramatic turn. Jack Black. Oh, I can oh, see that. Yeah. Yes. With the mad hair and the kind of the frown. And he did throat. have a very round face, Beethoven. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I think of, like, of, of Beethoven's face, I think kind of a very cranky... Jack Black, really? God, he actually does. I mean, he doesn't look like Jack Black, but all the artists' impressions of him have. I mean, I could see it. I could definitely see it. Yeah, yeah. School it, like, of Beethoven. Yes. <laughs> and everyone would be like, wow, in a dramatic turn, nobody saw coming. Yeah. And he'd be like in a powdered wig, being like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> Yeah, because also, another fact Beethoven, the actual Beethoven, was once arrested by a policeman because he was so drunk that the policeman thought he was a tramp. And then... So something that would happen to Jack Black. Exactly. And then the policeman was like, oh, so sorry, Beethoven. (laughs) Because he knew it was Beethoven. So I guess he was sort of one of the first people to have fame from music, really. Beethoven, the star of Tenacious B. (laughs) Truly your finest work. The greatest symphony in the world. (laughs) It's just a tribute. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. you've come out for one drink but you accidentally had six pints you're now on the table in front of all of your work friends and you're about to sing a Tina Turner song what's going on yeah well I'm just really excited to see how I feel about this on Monday morning um I'm talking about karaoke this week oh I love karaoke ah do you yeah Oh, Caroline, you're looking at Alex like she's crawled out of karaoke toilet so much. And it's not because I hate people singing. I love like I love singing with my friends. I love that person whoever breaks out the acoustic guitar at the party. Love it all. Come from a very strong tradition of people standing up and singing. But like I just hate karaoke. I hate the tinny sound. I hate the sort of weird, uncomfortable environment it puts everyone in. It like it gives no one the freedom to actually like 
you know, bend the song to their will because they have to keep in time with the stupid machine. I hate it. I hate everything about it. Don't invite me. I will not go. <laughs> I should clarify that I like karaoke in a sort of very wanky way in that I also hate it where you're in front of a bar of people and it's horrendous. Oh, yeah, no, it's terrible, die. but it's mm-hmm. good because it's terrible. Um, but I do enjoy going to those ones where you can get a private booth with your mates where you're all half cut. See... Um, I understand that and I have done that it's not a bad time or anything but also whenever I'm doing it I'm like we paid 40 quid for this small room when we can just be at home singing songs which I do with my friends all the time anyway yeah, yeah that's, that's true yeah it can be um, really really expensive actually I quite like karaoke like I know it's bad mm. I know it's embarrassing I know that y- it only happens when you've drunk too much but it's just fun isn't it it's just stupid and it's fun and I think that's okay can I offer you my theory on karaoke and it's a little bit smug and you can edit it out if you want but here's what I think I think that karaoke only thrives in repressed cultures like oh yeah. it massively does so yeah. I think I think British people love it every English person I know wants to end every single night out with karaoke and I'm like well why and uh, you know obviously it's very famous in Japanese culture obviously and that has a famous sort of thing of keeping similarly to the Brits a kind of a stiff upper lip and yes, sort of yeah. not letting yeah. too, not letting too much go in your in your everyday life whereas um like in my family in particular, we grew up where you were expected to, if someone said, sing us your song, you would have to sing your song like there and then. And yeah. like, yeah, I, and it's and a shame that most common. British people would like rather die than do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, re- they truly would. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because we talked about singing before in episode 24 of the podcast and how it's such a kind of vulnerable thing to do. You're really mm. kind of showing showing your true self almost, uh, which is kind of why I think a lot of people hate karaoke, but then also, like you said, like why a lot of people like it. But it's also, it's weirdly kind of combined with like fantasy and playing and stuff because you're pretending to be the singer. You're pretending to be like the lead singer of a band, essentially. And you would mm-hmm. never kind of be like, oh, I want, I'm going to pretend to be this actor for a bit. As an adult, you would never be like, oh, let's play the, you know, let's play the Lions from the Lion King. That'll be really yeah. fun. Whereas it's okay to be like, let's play, yeah, Grease Summer Lovin' and I'll be yeah. Sandy. It's the only like adult version of make-believe dress-up that's like allowed in everyday life, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is positive. It's almost like a way to... It's like a bonding thing in a way if someone it is. Yeah, yeah it's like a, it's like a transformation. It's like a different layer of someone. Yeah. But, you know, either way, love it or hate it, it is a huge, huge industry. It's like global, obviously it's multi-million pounds, maybe even billion, I don't actually know. Um they have karaoke contests and competitions. There's a karaoke world championships. What's Which the difference between that and just like the X Factor? Yeah, yeah. The only difference between karaoke and the X Factor is a screen with the, the numbers on it, not yeah. the numbers, <laughs> words on it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But I thought I'd look into the history of karaoke, uh, which kind of you know, really, it's the invention of the machine because. If you just take it to mean singing along to music, then that's been happening since the dawn of time, pretty much. Where do you think it was invented and when? Japan. Japan. But I don't know when. have no clue. Or maybe it's not Japan. Maybe it's like Korea or something, but it got like taken up by the Japanese. Oh, no, it is Japan. Okay. Uh, in the 1960s by this guy called Daisuke Inoue. And I might be saying that wrong, and I'm sorry if I am. And I found this really amazing essay written by him about how he came up with the karaoke machine. Uh, and now I think I am in love with him. Oh, that's nice. He's finally moved on from Elon. Yes. I've moved on. Sorry, Elon. He's in space now, though, probably. He's fine. But the thing is, so he invented this whole thing, um, but he didn't patent it. 
So <gasps> I know. God. Rookie mistake. It's another one of the bingo card, isn't it? People who don't bloody pattern their ideas. Yeah. I know. It's he always says, the creatives. He says, at the time, I didn't think anything would come out of it. <gasps> I know. Okay. And he says at the end of this essay, I may not have the original pattern. Some say I would have made $80 million last year and that was a bad year. But I have good friends and family that I love and I can't help but smile every day. Aww, oh, what a cutie. He's just lying. such a nice man. Lying. He's lying. He has Shut to up. say that. <laughs> he does. What does karaoke mean? Karaoke means empty orchestra. Kind of melancholy. Oh, yeah. It is very melancholy. Sounds like it? a hot chip album or something. Yeah. Well, I'd like to know about karaoke. I don't expect you to have the answer. Um, is where what is the origins of like that weird stock footage that plays on the on the video? Oh my god! Yes. I don't know. It's yeah. Like sunset, two ducks. Like yeah. Um, and weirdly, in the Philippines, there's been some karaoke killings, um, and it's all kind of happened around Frank Sinatra's My Way. Apparently there's been at least half a dozen victims in the past decade. Back up here. People who are singing it at karaoke are getting killed or people yes. are killing. People who are singing it at karaoke are getting killed. <gasps> in this in in the bar that night or later that day or later that like, year. Like around that around that time, yeah. They will get murdered. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Or That's is it just a coincidence amazing. that loads of people sing My Way and then some of those people got killed? Well, it could be, yeah, because it's a very kind of like headstrong song. It's like I don't give a shit about you. I've done a certain kind of person chooses to do my way probably an older businessman who's gotten a bit too drunk kind of yeah. thing like oh I relate to Frank Sinatra because I also have a tie <laughs> and male friends I want to think there's a big conspiracy theory though because I think that would yeah. make an excellent film excellent film yeah yeah starring Jack Black <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was all fascinating, but not as fascinating as the practical life skills that we learn each week in the Smart Lesson. And for this Smart Lesson, we've invited a smart man in to tell us all about how to write a song. Hannah, Alex, don't know if you know this the way I know this as an artiste, but every Paul Simon needs an Art Garfunkel, every Eminem needs a D12, every Cheryl Cole needs a slightly less charismatic ginger bandmate, and my one is here today. I'd like to introduce, formally to the School for Dumb Women, Harry Harris. Ooh. Hello, Harry. Hello. I feel like I've heard your name before. Maybe you've done our jingle. Doesn't sound like me. So, Harry is a singer-songwriter and journalist who also happened to have written all of the Dumb Women theme music. The least rank for all of you there. Um, not only that, but Harry is also my collaborator on Greyhounds, 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 our three-piece folk band who, oh wait, just happens to have released an EP this week what? called the Atta Girls EP and is available on Bandcamp right now. It is. Caroline, you don't mean to tell me that you're using this respectable media outlet to further your own creative career. I believe in the music industry, Alex, this is called a plug, uh, and it is quite customary among popular music circles. Ah, sorry, my mistake. Do carry on. So in honour of our release and the fact that he's currently sleeping in my spare room, we've asked Harry Harris to teach us how to write a song for this week's Smart Lesson. Yay! So um, take us through the many steps involved in uh, writing a song. I see you have a guitar there. I do have a guitar here, yes. So I think like a good sort of first base to like look at when you're writing a song is that kind of... What? Where can I take this idea? What can I do with it? Also, it's got to rhyme. Ah, has absolutely every song, every single one. In your opinion? No, I don't think it's. <laughs> I think that's one of the rules has to rhyme. Okay, fine. Okay. But then, but then you don't want to get into the habit of just rhyming stuff for the sake of rhyming. Yeah. Say so like Father John Misty does that quite a lot. I think he has that song that starts bedding Taylor Swift every night inside the Oculus Rift. 
it doesn't make any sense or mean anything. Mm. Yeah. So I think Father John Misty is perhaps the worst thing ever. I also garbage, uh, right? No, yeah. Oh, I'm so glad we all feel that way. <laughs> I like one of his songs, but apart from that, apparently he's not very nice. Well, people say this is the the defense that Father John Misty gets as a songwriter a lot is that he's playing a character. So and there are lots of character. and like there are lots of other sort of songwriters who quite happily sort of weave in and out of character like Rand Newman or Joni Mitchell or Joanna Lumley. Joanna Lumley. Not a musician, but still does that. Yeah, oh, right. Okay. I was like, yeah. whoa, have I missed Joanna Lumley's yeah. musical career? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you mean? Yeah. She sort of like has the character, the drag of Joanna Lumley. Yeah. That she, like, every now and then she'll just be like, oh, I'm a normal woman doing a BBC documentary in China. And yeah. then she'll be like, I'm now very drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, did she do yeah. a song about the Gurkhas? <laughs> she bloody loves the Gurkhas, isn't she? Gurkhas and the Garden Bridge. She, yeah, she, that, That's a song. Those are number right two. There. Number, yeah. <laughs> So, Harry, we've got our subject, which is, um, let's say we're sitting down to write a song about Joanna Lumley. Where do we go from there? Um, so, well, I've got a guitar right here. Ooh, ah. didn't see you bring that in. The first thing that I would do um, when writing a song is decide who the song's point, who the point of view of the song is from. So are you mm-hmm. going to sing, so say this song is about Joanna Lumley, are you going to sing like a kind of grand sort of folk song in the third person? Or do you want to sing it from a first person point of view, Joanna Lumley singing about her travails and then twist <laughs> halfway through she, like she mentions Ab Fab and the listener's like is this song about Joanna Lumley oh, um, oh that'd be good let's do that you could do it from like Jennifer Snodder's point of view I suppose <gasps> or like if you want to go real um, abstract with it you could do the song from the point of view of, of an as yet unbuilt garden bridge that exists <laughs> only in Joanna Lumley's mind's eye that sounds so beautiful so there are lots of different pathways to go down here you know? I feel like it could be a duet between the Garden Bridge and Joanna Lomley. <gasps> right. Yeah, that works. All right, so I feel like that's that's a good kind of... Uh, that's your idea. Duet between Lumley and, as yet, and I suppose forever, unbuilt Garden Bridge, oh, which is another oh. layer of tragedy to the song. Sadiq. Um, <laughs> uh, he could be the great villain of the piece. Uh, maybe we should just clarify to anyone who doesn't live in London what the Garden Bridge is. Or never was. Or never mm. was. So it was a, uh, a like a, an idea of a bridge that was going to be built over the Thames that was just going to be covered in uh, trees. It was like a garden, but it was a bridge. Yeah, very, very literal. Yes, and it was going to be very, very, very expensive. And not free to use. Yes, you have to pay oh, to forgot use about that. The really? Bridge. So essentially it was a very silly, expensive idea, which ultimately did not happen, but there was a big argument about it for a long time, and I think lots of money got wasted. Yeah, Yeah. so Joanna Lumley was very keen for this garden bridge to be built, and then the Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, came into office and was like, nah, that's a silly idea, we're not going to do that, shut it down, save the money, great, we love Sadiq. Smashing. Yeah. So what the, um, what you should choose next is maybe like a, like, a, like a tone for the song, or like a key, key would be the musical term, for okay. it. So like do you want to make it like a just a like a sort of jaunty major chord song or do you want like it to be like a This is a D minor which is known as the loneliest chord. It does immediately sound more lonely. Yeah, or do you what you could do like a a bluesy song? <laughs> I feel like that would be great. <laughs> Blues is quite easy, isn't it? <laughs> so, okay, well, let's say that we're doing a 12-bar blues then. And if we're going to do a 12-bar blues, let's open it in the way that all classic blues is open, which is another one of the great kind of uh, open E pyramid scheme uh, lines, which is, of course, I woke up this morning. 
Ah. Like, so, so what what would be the first thing that Joanna Lumley would do in the morning? Have her like tea and extremely posh breakfast delivered her yeah. in the hotel. Have a grapefruit, darling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And some champagne. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you can see that. I woke up this morning in a fancy hotel. <laughs> yes, exactly. I woke up this morning thinking about my long time role on the popular comedy app. You're absolutely fabulous. <laughs> So people know who it is then. People are I like, see what oh, you mean, yeah. it's either Jennifer Saunders or Joanna Lumley. Yeah. And then we'll go to the... Oh, and by the way, I'm not Jennifer Saunders. I'm the other one. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to build a garden bridge. Hell yeah! I want to build a garden bridge. I want to build a garden bridge right over the Thames. <laughs> <laughs> what does the garden bridge have to say? <laughs> so then you could come. So then, like, and then the garden bridge can be like, oh, I woke up this morning. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that um, didn't exist. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, at that point, a figment of the imagination of some wealthy Londoners. <laughs> if you wanted to like, um, and if you wanted to build, a, if you wanted to get really fancy, build like a real kind of uh, mirror the the split in the narrative of the song musically, you could impl- you could do a key change there. So that would be. Oh, I see. So that would be. Now we're sort of doing the same thing, but we're just doing it from A instead of E, which is a bad key change because I'm not a good guitar player. But but if you wanted to do like so, the bridge was always singing in one key and Joanna was always singing in the other. You could absolutely do that. That would be yeah a very classy musical choice. I woke up this morning in the planning office. In the planning office, maybe. Yes. Yeah, the blueprint, I think. It's, oh yeah, in city hall. In city hall. Joanna tried to save me, but those people were my downfall. Quite good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But no, Joanna tried to save me. Sadiq was my downfall. Yeah. Or maybe the garden bridge. Whereas Joanna Lumley says, I want to build a garden bridge. Maybe the bridge is like, I want to be a garden bridge. Yeah. Right over the dams. <laughs> you could have a little bit of question and answer there, like yeah. back and forth. So, I want to build a garden bridge. I want to be a garden bridge. <laughs> I want to build a garden bridge. I want to be a garden bridge. <laughs> All I wanted was just to exist. Yeah. But the mayor of London was... Issued a cease piss. and desist. Ah. It's not bad. So we're doing a key change from E. Let's do it to... Let's just do it up to... So that now we're in F sharp. But we're essentially playing the same thing. I woke up this morning in City Hall. Joanna tried to build me, but Sadiq was by downfall. All I wanted was to exist, but the mayor cried out a cease and desist. Now we're back in E. <laughs> Ooh, okay, what does Joanna say next? Um, 
Darling, Maybe you simply must. Joanna just it. talks about the plants and how oh. lovely they would be. Yeah. Oh, that's actually good. What happens in quite a lot of songs? Find the spoilers of the empire. There's, there's a really good genre of song that's basically just a list song. So you could do like a list of songs. So if Joanna was trying to extol the virtues of the bridge, she could just list a lot of plants, cool. which is also a nice way to get some rhymes in there. But you could do. There'd be a dandelion. There'd be an oak. There'd be a chestnut, there'd be a... Stoat. Stoat. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say croak. There'd be some the roses, there'd be some shrubs, there'd be a... Lot of Clematis climbing up above. There'd be a... Orange tree, there'd be a... Honeybee, <laughs> there'd be... We're not even helping, we're just staring at you. <laughs> there'd be... And then just a list of other. The thing is, that was stupid, but actually very magnetic. Yeah, it was nice. Because about you, list songs. Because you, you, people also will try and predict the rhyme. Then a bit. Like, oh, is he going to say hibiscus? Hibiscus. Mm. And no, with, yeah. the answer is mm. <laughs> very hard. There's nothing rhymes hard with hibiscus. Rhyme. It's not a great song, but it is a great song. But it is. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> it is. A, it is a song. <laughs> Yeah, we did successfully write a song together. Yes, technically it is a song. So basically yeah. anyone can. Yeah. Great. And that's the message of this podcast. <laughs> so yeah. there you go. I got to say, this has really changed my opinion because at the start I really agreed with Sadiq and now I really feel like we should have the Garden Bridge. <laughs> Same! Yeah. I'm on the bridge's side. The bridge would, would agree that it should not exist though, I think. The bridge is a logical character. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Are we going to do it all the way through and then we all join in? Yeah, or... we can do it all the way through. All right, I'll just start from the top. That means from the start. <laughs> Another important thing about songwriting. Nothing. Yeah. Let's do it. I woke up this morning in a posh hotel And thinking about my long-term role on the popular sitcom Absolutely Fabulous no, I'm not Jennifer Saunders. I'm the other one, Joanna Lumley. And I wanna build a garden bridge. I wanna build a garden bridge. Ooh, I wanna build a garden bridge. I wanna build a garden bridge. I wanna build a garden bridge. So I woke up this morning in City Hall. Yeah, Joanna tried to build me, but Sadiq was my downfall. All I wanted was to exist. The mayor cried out a cease and desist. There'd be a dandelion. There'd be an oak. There'd be a daffodil. There'd be a stoat. There'd be some roses. There'd be a shrub. There'd be some clematis climbing up above. There'd be an orange tree. There'd be a honeybee. But the mayor, he took it all away from me. Yes, and I want to build a garden bridge. I want to be a garden bridge. 
Yeah, I wanna build a garden bridge. I wanna be a garden bridge. Yeah, I wanna build a garden bridge. I wanna be a garden bridge. Yeah, I wanna build a garden bridge. I wanna be a garden bridge. I wanna build a garden bridge. Right over the Thames. song we wrote a song guys yeah it's that easy <laughs> what's it called <laughs> <laughs> what could we call it you know there's so few real key nouns in there yeah <laughs> it could be one of those songs that's called the ballad of joanna lumley in the garden bridge oh, oh yes yeah. all right thank you harry harris we've officially written a song together we are now a group we are. yay Thanks, Harry. That's all right. If you like the sound of Harry's music and why the hell wouldn't you, right. you can find him on most streaming platforms. All of them, Harry I think. Harris. Yeah, yeah, all of them. They're all there. Or if you like the sound of us all together, you can have me and Harry on the Atta Girls EP, which is available on Bandcamp. Yeah, it's uh, yeahgreyhound.bandcamp.com. Well, that's it for another tone-deaf episode of The School for Dumb Women. We would like to formally apologise for all the singing involved, and to Joanna Lumley and the Garden Bridge. How would I be a Garden Bridge? Thanks to Harry Harris for coming in in real life, and also for doing our jingles as per. Thanks also to Gavin Day for our logo and Soho Radio Studios for the recording space. We're actually taking a short break next week, but you'll have our special bonus episode with Harry Harris to keep you company while we're away. We'll be back with a regular-sized episode the week after. See you then! What and a two and a three. Goodbye. As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, me and Harry do have a band together. We're called Greyhounds, Greyhounds, Greyhounds. We do have an EP out right now. It's completely free unless you want to donate. It's on yagreyhounds.bandcamp.com. And here is the title track from the EP called Alla Girls. I will not toss my wedding ring into a melting pot I will not raise three children in one room I refuse to be grateful for all that I've got Cause I've got a spitfire in me and a snipe knife in my heart Oh, go down, kicking and screaming, your beer's covered and bleeding Atta girls, atta girls, atta girls, atta girls, atta girls, atta girls Go down, fucking and fighting, can't you see, man, I'm working Atta girls, atta girls, atta girls, atta girls, atta girls, atta girls I've been tuning up this griffin that's been cursing back at me It's been snarling like dogs fighting for a bone but the balloons above Southampton were a target for the sea Until the props were taken over and we were high above the sea once again, you can listen to or download the Atta Girls EP from yagreyhounds.bandcamp.com. This is the last time I will ever plug this. Thank you. Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. And I'm Anton. We are two of the three co-hosts of a podcast called Juvenalia. Our third co-host, Sarah Marie Griffin, is not here. Juvenalia is a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a piece of pop culture that they were obsessed with when they were a child. So if you want to hear Sarah from Tegan and Sarah talking about Madonna's future there's work. Or hear about Maria Joelle Kennedy and why her favourite film is The Wizard of Oz. Or hear Caroline O'Donoghue talking about Frasier. And subscribe to us on any podcast app you might be listening to right now. Okay, that's the ad. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye.